Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms and mother figures and, and those who are like surrogate moms to a lot of people. Happy Mother's Day to you. Um, I'm Shannon, and uh, it's just great that you are here, especially if this happens to be your first time. We're really glad that you're with us, uh, whether you're right here in the auditorium or you're joining us online, or maybe you're listening to the, like, the podcast that we post later on. We're just really glad we say this every week uh, that you are connecting with us, and what we want to do it is the reason we exist is to let you know there's a God who loves you and who wants to be in relationship with you through Christ Jesus. So that is the plan today. That's what I hope to communicate to you today, and I hope that you hear today. Uh, actually, one thing I want to say, speaking of podcasts, if you happen to be a podcast listener or you're like, I've never really listened to podcasts, but I've thought about it. Well, Josh and I, we started doing this back when we had a series called 167. We put out a podcast every week. It comes out on Thursday mornings. And um, we talk about the Sunday's message a little more in depth, and then we talk about what we're going to be talking about the following week, and then a whole bunch of random stuff in the middle of all that. So I encourage you, if you listen to podcasts or want to try one out, to uh, go to however you would get a podcast and go to the Porch Community Church and find the 167. So I hope that that would be good for you. We do this because we, we really want to help you like kind of connect during the week and, and during your time and just, you know, not, it not just be about when we're here together or we're tuning in. So, okay, we are in this fifth week, if you can believe it, of this series that we have titled Doxypraxy. So real quick, because I know a lot of you know what this means now. You're, you're practicing, I have a doctorate in this because we've talked about it so much. But doxy is about what our beliefs are, and praxy is about our behavior. But there, there's, there's this word ortho that goes in front of it. Okay, so you may have heard, you've likely heard the word orthodoxy, Ortho means right, straight, good, correct, and then the, the doxy part means our beliefs. So orthodoxy is right beliefs. And then there's the word orthopraxy. Ortho, again, right, straight, good, correct, and our praxis, like how we actually are living it out, our behavior. So the tagline for this series, then, is what you believe determines how you behave. Now, what we've added to this is like a, and it also... <laughs> is how you behave reveals what you truly believe. So the whole point of this series, as we look at the book of 1 John, is to see if our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy are connected, if they are consistent. And if they're not, then let's work on that. Let's get that together. Okay. So today we are going to be in the third chapter of 1 John. Uh, so if you have your Bibles or you like to take notes, that's where we're going to start in first, uh, first John chapter 3, and then we're going to look at a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 2 as well. So those are the two places we're going to be. Um, so what we haven't really gone into a lot of depth, um, and, and we really won't that much today either, but I do want to touch on the fact that just because we, in effect, dropped the word ortho from our, the title of our series, Doxypraxy, I want us to talk about the ortho a little bit today, because where do we get that? Where do you get the information? Where do you learn? How do you understand what is right? What is true? What is correct? Okay, right? Because what an orthodontist wants to make the teeth straight, right? An orthopedist wants to make the bones straight, or at least how they're supposed to be. So like, how do we know what it is? What is the ortho? Well, um, I don't think it's a shock to any of you, but... Uh, we find our ortho, what is right and true, from the scriptures, from 
the Bible. This is where we get our understanding of who God is. And not only that, but so we have the written word, but as we're going to look at in just a little bit, God gives us his Holy Spirit that actually allows us to understand his word. And so this is where we get our ortho. This is where we find out what is right, what is true, what is correct. You could have a lot of different opinions out there that can tell you, no, this is right. But as a follower of Jesus, we are people that say, I'm going to look at Scripture. What does Scripture tell me is the way that I should believe? And then the result of that is, then this is how I should live, how I should behave. Now, here's what I do want to take a few minutes and talk about this morning is John, the writer of this letter, the second letter, the third letter. He wrote the Gospel of John. He writes the book of Revelation. He has influence on other books that are written in the New Testament. I want us to think about this because John gives us a first-hand account. So when we are going, okay, this is the, I believe this because it's in the Bible. Okay, some people accept that just as it is. But then there's a lot of people, like if you were to offer that as the reason that you believe, they'd be like, well, pfft, the Bible, who, what, whatever. You know, like, what is the Bible? Like, is it real? Is it, is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? Like, what is it? And so we believe, I believe, that what I read in the scriptures that John has written this is his first-hand account. Like, he was there. He saw it, heard it, felt it, saw, I mean, all the things. I mean, so he was, um, just a couple of examples. He's on a boat, and um, he's on a boat ride, and he is, he's, <laughs> this is crazy. He looks out, and Jesus is walking on the water to them. He's seeing this with his eyes. And then, not only is that enough, but then his friend Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus. Now, he didn't walk as quite as long, but he, he, he sees this with his eyes. So the one who talks about God, who talks about Jesus, who talks about the one who, who does things that no one else has ever done, he sees this moment. He was, another, another boat experience, is in a boat with Jesus during a storm. So like the, the waves are like crashing against the boat. The wind is howling. He is there in the midst of this. And then Jesus says, peace, be still. And it is. And so he is sitting there in that silence. I mean, he's like there. He's, he's there. So this is like firsthand account of, of the power and, and the miraculous nature of who Jesus is. Um, he sat next to Jesus at that last supper that we talked about last week as we shared communion together. He was sitting to the, the right of Jesus. So I mean, think about this. As Jesus held up bread and said, this bread's going to be like my body broken for you, who was the first person he handed it to? John. And then the cup, same way. I mean, so he is like right there. He is in this. This is his experience that we get to read about in like 2021, which is mind-blowing. He, um, he stood at the foot of the cross and, and watched his friend, his teacher, his rabbi, breathe his last. He stood there and watched. Some of us have, I don't know if, 
call it the privilege, but we've been with people as they have passed. John was there as Jesus breathed his last. And then three days later, he and Peter, when they find out that they've heard that the tomb is empty, they run there. You, this whole thing, we don't know who got there first. There's a, there's a debate on that. They were both think they're the fastest guy. But anyway, they get there to the tomb, and Jesus isn't there. And he's seeing all of this. So this is the John who, who, that we are reading, the stuff he's writing that we're about to look at. I mean, I want us to really allow this to kind of sink in on us. This firsthand account. He's, he's there. Oh, and then uh, this is the one I, I, to me, it's like the, of all of them, I'm like, wow. Because he saw Jesus die. Then he sees an empty tomb. And then uh, sometime later, they come along the shoreline. And then there's Jesus who had gone fishing that morning. Or maybe he was just like, fish, come out. I don't know what he did. That would be great for people that like to go fish. But he is cooking fish on the shoreline on a morning, and he invites his disciples to sit down and have a meal with them. This, this, is, John, this is the guy that we read about, who's, the words that he's written. He has all these experiences. And so they, these are some of the, the moments that uniquely position him to help us understand what Jesus wants us to believe and then how we're supposed to behave based on that belief. So in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 3, we find John, who's had all these experiences, writing this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So let's just pause there. Can you picture in your mind now as John is writing this, what he must be recalling in his head? Like what's going on in his mind as he writes the words, Jesus gave up his life for us? Is he replaying that last meal? When Jesus said he was going, his body would be broken and his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins? Is he replaying? I'm certain he's replaying Jesus laying upon the cross, laying his life out. I mean, he's writing these words. He saw this, okay? So here, that's orthodoxy. That's the orthodoxy. We believe that this happened. We believe this. Now, here comes the orthopraxy, okay? So we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters, John's saying, look, Jesus, he showed us real love, so we must do the same for others. And then he gets even more practical in the orthopraxy and offers like an example. And he says in verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So he's making it very real here. He's like, look, you say you believe, but if this is your practice, come on. So it's just very real. I mean, he, he just gets right to it. And remember, he, he's not making this up. This isn't an assumption or, or a theory. Like he's, This is what he believes based on what he has seen and heard. Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So you see the 
orthodoxy and the orthopraxy. Now, there's this thread that's running through this whole series, and, and you've heard it, you will hear it before we finish it up, and it is simply that we are to love one another. It, it keeps showing up over and over and over again in 1 John. It's very important to him. And based on his experience, I would say then it should be really important to us. Uh, jump to verse 23 now. And he writes this, and this is his commandment. So he's talking about, this is the commandment that Jesus laid out for us. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. So he's repeating the, whenever Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus goes, oh, I won't give you just one, I'll give you two. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And then love others as you love yourself. So he's reminding us of this command. Verse 24, those who obey God's commandments, so here's the orthopraxy, remain in fellowship with him. So you see there's a, there's a continued relationship of someone who says they believe and who's practicing that belief. That it is an ongoing relationship. You hear the term here a lot from me, from Justin, others, journey of faith. We're on a journey of faith. If you believe this and you're practicing this, then you're in this and you're on this journey of faith. And then he says, um, uh, let me start again, verse 24. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he in them. And then I love this. This is it here. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. He know, we know he lives in us because of the spirit he gave lives in us. So there is evidence that we, are, we have a belief and we're practicing it. It will be evident to others. The fruit is a term we use a lot, right? So here's what I want. In, what John records in his gospel, Jesus telling the disciples, uh, later, yeah, I, we don't have this for, to look at this morning, but there's a place in the gospel where John tells he writes about Jesus saying, look, I am leaving. I am going to go, which freaks them out a little bit, understandably. And he's like, no, I'm going to go, but it's, it's okay because I'm going to send another. I'm going to send a counselor. I'm going to send someone to you who's actually going to help you understand all the stuff you've experienced with me, even in a deeper way. So then you will be equipped to go and do the ministry. So he's like, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so that your orthodoxy will be even deeper. You'll have a better handle on it. And so then your orthopraxy, your behavior, wow, you're going to be able to really live into this. Okay? And so that Holy Spirit that Jesus told his disciples about, that John records in, the, in his gospel, is the same Holy Spirit that's available to us that we get to live into when we say we believe, which we're going to look at a verse in just a few moments. We know God lives in us by the spirit he gave us. There's a, a song that we sing here a lot. It's pretty well known. I think it's Elevation. Um, here is in heaven. And um, there's that line in there. The evidence is all around. I mean, that's, this, is, this is what John is writing about. The evidence will be there. The evidence of God's Holy Spirit working in you will be be there if you are in him and he in you. If your orthodoxy and your orthopraxy are lined up, it will be evident. And the, the, the stanza of that song says, the atmosphere is changing now. 
for the spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the spirit of the Lord is here. You're welcome for not singing that. But I love, I really do love that. I love that. John says that the evidence, love is the evidence that the spirit of the Lord is here. It's the evidence. Now, I want to jump back to a verse we haven't looked at yet. In verse 14, we're still in chapter 3 of, of 1 John. And he says this, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. Now, see, our, our brains don't really, like, we are people who think we go from life to death, Right? We're born, we live, we die. John's talking about going from death to life. And John witnessed with his own eyes someone go from death to life. He actually saw it with Lazarus, but then he saw it with Jesus. So when he writes this, it's not symbolism. He's not trying to just give us a picture. Like he is saying, I have seen someone go from death to life. If we love our brothers and sisters, it proves we have passed from death to life. He's like, you are really living if, the, if your behavior, if your orthopraxy is what you say you believe. And the only way John can write about this is because he had actually seen someone pass from death to life. So he says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. There's no, there's no orthopraxy. The, the, it, there's nothing that is, that is legitimate about that. It's just words. And so what is, I mean, we've already said it, but the behavior that proves we believe, that proves that we have been brought from death to life by Jesus is our love for one another. That is the evidence. Now, this is a little bit of a tightrope walk. We, we have to be a little care, careful in this because this doesn't mean that if we just love other people that we, like, earn salvation. That's, that's not the, what, it's, what we're saying. Um, Loving other people is not how we get right with God, how we, you don't earn your salvation. And this is where Ephesians 2 comes in, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. God saved you by his grace when you believed, right? You didn't earn it, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, right? So you can love everybody really, really well. That's not how you get your salvation, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So we're saved by grace. We are saved by grace when we believe. And the, in evidence of that redemption, according to the Apostle John, who seems to be more than qualified to diagnose this, the evidence of that faith is the love that we have for one another. Or another way of saying all of this, is that real faith leads to real love. Real faith leads to real love. Real faith in Jesus leads to real love for other people. It's, it's the theme of this whole series. What you believe determines how you behave. See, friends, there's a horse and there's a cart, and the horse is our faith. The, the horse is our beliefs. 
and, and the cart is, is love. And, and I think for a lot of us, we're riding around on our faith horses, and we're like, woohoo, look at me, I'm riding on my faith horse. But there's no cart, like we're not showing it in our lives. And so then it makes me go, well, what is that? Are we really riding a faith horse, or are we riding something else? Or are we just riding, like, good citizen horse? Or, you know, I'm really trying hard to, to, for everyone to like me horse. I mean, you know, like, what are we really riding? Because it, it, love should follow it. And like I said, we don't want to just go, I just want to love people, and then maybe God will love me back. No, that's the cart before the horse. Real faith leads to real love. I've shared this story several times in the 20-plus years that I've been teaching, but it's the only one I have. So I'm going to share it again. As a young adult, post-college, um, desperately searching for purpose, for direction, for something uh, to steer my life towards, um, I became good friends with a coworker who displayed a very real, genuine faith to me. Perfection, no, but a very real, genuine faith. And not only that, but what I observed is that she had a very real love towards other people. Like, I saw this towards her family, towards uh, other believers, co-workers, strangers. Like, I just, there was a consistent, real um, love that I saw exemplified in her. And, and so, what, you know, her orthodoxy and her orthopraxy lined up because she wasn't just a really nice person that loved people, but she was a person of faith, of faith in God a faith that Jesus Christ was, in fact, her Savior and that she was saved by grace through that faith. And so I saw her orthodoxy and orthopraxy lined up. I had no idea what the words orthodoxy and orthopraxy were, right? But what I saw was belief and behavior lining up. And that was very intriguing to me. Very, very intriguing. And so it was in that consistent act of Genuine, real, not fake at all, not sh but not showy or weird either, right? But it was in that orthodoxy and orthopraxy that I was drawn to Jesus. It was in her behavior based on her belief that I was drawn to the things of God. Now, Jesus had been all around, <laughs> but it was like the scales fell from my eyes. And so I suddenly start to see that, that life had uh, the possibility of meaning and purpose and all these things. And I was so very lost, and I was lost in self and in regrets and no sense of worth and all these things. And so this real faith, this real orthodoxy, this real love, this real orthopraxy of a Jesus follower changed my life, completely changed the trajectory that I was going on. And one February night, sitting out, looking up at a beautiful sky with just the stars everywhere. It was dark and just, I was sitting on the side of the road. And I was sitting on the side of the road because we had just lost control of the car and flipped it twice. And I sat there stunned on the side of the road now, out of the vehicle, shocked. Didn't have a scratch on me. Neither did she. And I'm telling you, friends, the str that, that, that strange silence that John 
most likely experienced as he heard the storm silenced when Jesus said, peace be still, was the same silence I heard. I mean, because I'm on the interstate and cars are just flying by. I didn't, I didn't notice it at all. And I said out loud, thank you. Thank you. And in that moment, I was overwhelmed with two sides of one, recognizing the holiness of this God that I had seen uh, in the belief of this friend and in the behavior of her life that she was saying and living out. And I saw the fruit. I saw that. And then suddenly I'm going, oh, you are real. And I was thanking this God. And in the same moment on the other end, I felt so unworthy to even be speaking to him, not even to be looking up into the sky he had created. And I'm in this moment and I'm overwhelmed. And it all began to change. Like that was the moment. It all began to change. And I can never, ever hear the lyrics to that song without thinking of that night. When I hear the words, the atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here the evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. I am right there on the side of the road somewhere between Oklahoma City and Tulsa, Oklahoma on a February night, and it is cold, and it is beautiful. Real faith leads to real love. And so your life, porch community, your life, the way you live, the way you love, the way you interact with your coworkers, the way you treat strangers, the way you care for your friends, the, the way you show hospitality to, to your neighbors, the, the way you love your family, all of that, you know what it is? It's evidence of your beliefs. It's evidence of what you believe about God, about his son Jesus Christ, and about the presence and the work of his Holy Spirit. And so, you know me and my questions. I think the question that we should all ponder is, what kind of effect is my, does my life have? What kind of effect does my life have right now on those around me? Does it draw people to Jesus? Like, does it direct them to Jesus? Or is it pushing them away? Is it like repelling them? Is it, does, does your life make clear the gospel message of hope, of salvation for anyone who believes? Or is your life kind of, is it muddying the waters a little bit? Like, they're not really sure. It's kind of convoluted. John's reminder to us of Jesus' command is what I want to leave us with. Because he says in verse 23 of 1 John chapter 3, he says, and this is his command. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. 
and love one another just as he commanded us. It's right there. What do we believe? And how are we behaving? How are we living this out? Because real faith leads to real love. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy of a person that you placed in my life so that my eyes would be opened to see you. I thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to make your word come alive, to, to bring meaning and to make sense. I thank you that you you sent him right there to the disciples. I mean, the ones who knew him the best still needed the Holy Spirit to help figure things out. So that puts us in really good company, <laughs> our dependence on the Holy Spirit to understand who you are. God, I think I'm praying for a good number of, of people when I say our belief is, we, we know what we believe. We we believe in you. We believe you sent Christ for us. We believe that forgiveness of sin comes through his death and his resurrection. We believe in new life and we embrace it. We are desperate to, to say, I needed that so much. But it's in our orthopraxy where we need so much help. God, I pray you would help us by your Holy Spirit. You would help us to know the words to speak. You know the words to not speak. <laughs> the way to respond, the way to reach out, the way to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading in conversation. Just intentionality of how we're going about our lives. Because the opportunity is there. God, would you use each and every one of us that call on your name so that someone maybe many someones one day can say because of the way they believed and behaved I found Jesus wow what a profound divine privilege that is Lord may we live into that fully. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your word. We need understanding of it to live into this, God. The evidence is all around. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.